Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thriefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. It's the off season. Still, <laughs> we're still not in the playoffs, but we are back again this week. We've got a few odds and ends of things to talk about. Dave, how are you doing? Well, it's limbo land, isn't it? It's that part of the off season where we're kind of waiting for the draft, which is the lottery's coming up in two weeks now. So we'll know more soon. And then we get to get really excited about where the Blazers might draft, especially if they get a top pick. We'll probably talk about that next time. Excitement's coming soon. And then, of course, everything between May and June is all draft, draft, draft. And then you get free agency. So it's about to get really exciting. But this is like the uh, first two weeks of December always when you love Christmas. Like you've been waiting and waiting. And now December's here. It seems like Christmas is close. But all those days drag. I love the draft. I love it. I'm not somebody who follows college closely, so I rarely know very many of the prospects that are coming in and and things like that. You know, I'm kind of learning about them as people start talking about them. And so it's not that I'm excited because of that. There is just something magical to me about that watching as specifically for, you know, for the NBA where these guys are most likely going to going to get a solid shot at a roster spot and, and their lives are changing, especially those early picks. You know, you're watching their entire lives change and just with minutes, within minutes, they're they're going from not knowing anything to knowing what team they're going to be with, what city they're going to be live in. You know, it's just it's such a life altering thing. And there's something just kind of magic about it that I, I really enjoy. So I, I look forward to that every year, even though I don't even really know usually who you know, the draft, a lot about them, but I'm, I'm excited, especially this year that the Blazers actually are partaking in, you know, 
a big part of that. So first of all, shout out to Steve DeWald, who actually does our draft previews and is very, very good at this. I mean, really good. So you can catch up on all the prospects at Blazer's Edge as he uh, posts those. But also, I mean, the draft is kind of your kind of event because the analysis, everybody's doing the positive side, right? You know, yeah. like especially draft night, you get Hubie Brown or whoever's in there used to be Dick Vitale. I don't know who they have doing now, but basically you talk up how every player is the next whatever. Right. Yeah. And that's very Dia. You know, this guy is fun to watch. He is. Yeah, he it's is. true. And all the highlights, right? Yeah. And the highlights are always fun And the fun stories, to watch. you know, yeah. you get to hear about their families and their hardships and how they overcame the hardships. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely right up my alley. Yeah. So this is you. This is Dia time. It'll be awesome. And then whomever the Blazers draft, we can get appropriately excited about. It's, uh, I'd be lying if I said I think this offseason is going to involve a lot of fireworks. If, if it does, it's going to be like in a trade, and I would assume one big trade, that may happen. I don't think this is going to be as revolutionary as an offseason as a lot of people think. But still, it is an exciting time. I mean, it is. You're, you're about to see what the next swing the Blazers are going to take will be, you know. Gosh, okay, look, I, I'll be honest. I feel like we're slogging through six feet of mud here. With, the, with all the salary cap restrictions, with the lack of talent, with the way the roster is bifurcated into players you almost can't trade, and then players that don't have any value. You know, it's like, uh, okay, it's, it's this swampy goopy. But they're going to take a big heave with a lever, shovel, or whatever they need to, a backhoe, this July. And we're going to see how much they can dig out. And that will be a fascinating process, whether they actually end up succeeding or not. Well, and I also think that this is the first offseason in a really long time where things have been unpredictable. You know, Neil if was was fairly predictable, if nothing else. You know, you kind of had an idea the direction he was going and what he was going to do, mostly because he wasn't going to do a lot. So I think that having new leadership in there and and people that don't clearly are not afraid to move looking at what they did you know during the season i'm anxious to see what happens to kind of finish out this first transitional period because you know they they made mid-season moves but that was really just the first part of you know now whatever's going to happen so i'm anxious to see how that plays out i think it's going to be telling of the direction that we're going and, and what's going to happen. So it, it's, there's a lot to be watched over the coming months for sure. Not afraid to make moves, but there's an asterisk to that, that the purpose of the midseason moves was to save money basically. And also somewhat to get some assets back to get younger, but it was really to get cheaper. Okay. Uh, I didn't say they were good moves. Right. That's true. But the thing that I want to highlight is they have to shift their priorities now. I mean, the, the exciting part is, well, the priority now is going to be winning. Well, they're always going to say it is, and that will never be completely absent. But will it be really winning now, right now, like trying to, you know, and I'm not even sure they can do that. I'm not even sure that's practical. But that's what gets everybody excited, right? What big moves are they going to make? Well, what if their big moves are to get younger or, you know, to to 
set up even more future moves because they know they need them. This will be an interesting offseason. It may not necessarily be an exciting offseason uh, or a productive offseason. Eventful, though. Yes, eventful is what we're, what we're looking at right now, and we're hoping it will be those other things. Yeah, it's it's a lot to unpack and you know, we're going to see it as as we move forward. But tonight we have a few things to, well tonight it may not be tonight when you're listening, but for us we're recording at night. We are deep into our keep or yeet uh series that we do, my least favorite part of the year, but we're pushing through it. Um and so tonight we've got three guys to talk about that we that we've written about since the last one. First up is Josh Hart. A quick rundown if you haven't listened to the podcast, if you don't read Blazer's Edge and you just happen to find yourself here for some random reason, Keeper Yeet is basically Dave and I discussing the merits of whether or not we keep a player or we let them go. Obviously, we have no control, but this is our opinion with the the guys on the roster currently. So Josh Hart. Josh Hart is a new addition mid-season. What do you think, Dave? Well, I mean... He he only played he played less than twenty games, right? Right. But what he did in those twenty games made you forget Norman Powell. Not necessarily made you forget CJ McCollum, but it wasn't that far off. I mean, he scored twenty points a game. He had like five rebounds, four assists, so multi layered. And the the assist, the passing ability, the ability to fit into the offense, I think was instantly, I should say, was the big eye opener for me. The other thing, though, is that obviously we knew it coming in. He also played defense. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with Josh Hart. You're going to have to look pretty hard to find a glaring flaw in his game. And you're also going to have to look even harder than that to find any reason that you would dislike him as a teammate or as part of your franchise. So basically, there's no reason to get rid of him unless, A, you can get more talent or B, you can save money. Now, I don't think the Blazers can get more talent than him in a trade, at least not straight up. Maybe in a package, that might be the one asterisk here. But there's no way that they let his non-guaranteed contract next year be non-guaranteed, let him go, basically, and then try to use cap space to sign someone who's going to be better than him. That's just not going to happen. So unless he's part of a bigger like kind of flush of the whole roster to create infinite cap space and just start all over again. I don't see any reason that you don't keep Josh Hart. How about you? I love Josh Hart. He's so fun to watch. <laughs> but really, but really, I mean, the the thing about Josh Hart is this. Like you can't be mad about this guy. He's fantastic. He's a great player. He definitely adds different layers that we didn't have. For his expressions alone, he's worth at least half that contract. When I talk about like there's a lot of different levels of fun to watch but but with him uh so much of it is aside from just his basketball abilities which i don't think are under debate you know he he's a solid player we're you know his contract fits he's not going anywhere like you said i just have really loved his personality you know when you lose guys like norm or like cj who had big personalities and played a part on the team in that way too it's really nice to get this kind of return and i know that that's not basketball and i know that that's a side note but i just i love josh hart the person and how he fits you know even just watching the the interactions on twitter 
between him and and Dame and Joe Ingles and some of the other guys, you know, he really seems to be embracing the team and and really, you know, set on being here. So I, I don't think there's any question that he'll be back next year. And I'm not mad about it. Sure. Fit is the operative word. I think the, the caveat is he's probably not going to be your number one option, your number one star. He plays with and off other people, which is great because, you know, you don't need like two or three number one stars. You need a number one star. And then you need a guy who can do the things Josh Hart can do. And by the way, he's not just a role player either. He's in that area higher than role player, lower than superstar, not quite a star but still just a really good player. He's, you know, minus the three-point shooting, he's the, the Chris Middleton-esque player, right? And granted, I wish Hart shot threes better, but what Middleton is to Giannis, Josh Hart can be a version of to other stars. And the way the roster is constructed right now, that's not a bad thing. I agree. I think he's, again, I think he's going to be great moving forward, and I, I don't think there's any chance he goes anywhere. Next up is Greg Brown. Speaking of fun to watch, Greg Brown, I promise I'm not going to say this with everybody. <laughs> Greg Brown is uh, the the reason that that saying exists. He, you know, this is his rookie year. There were points in this season where I wondered if Greg Brown forgot the rules because he just got out there and got so excited and went crazy. He is pleasure to observe. He is... He's got, he's bouncy. He's bouncing all over the place. He's dunking. He's, you know, doing all the things that you could hope for in someone playing an entertaining game of basketball. He's young. I think that he's got a lot of growth ahead that needs to happen, obviously, um, as a rookie. I would not be mad if he ended up in a package of some kind, but I don't think he's bad for this team. That's for sure. Yeah, and you can't pay less than his contract slot. And he's one of the young players who, you know, is promising. I'm not entirely sure he's on a fast track, but he's on a track. And he's one of the guys that you're interested in seeing. What, is, what does he look like in like two years? And yeah. if he continues to develop, then the Blazers got themselves a nice steal. If he doesn't, what are you going to fill that salary slot with? I mean, what? how many minimum players do you need? <laughs> we found out this year that you can definitely have too many. So Greg Brown III is, is a fine person to fill that slot. It certainly brings some excitement. Uh, he's not critical to the fortunes of the team right now, but I can't think of someone else offhand or an, even another style of player that would be better in that slot for Portland than he is. So, yeah. I mean, uh, go for it. Keon Johnson is uh, another one. I think you know how I feel about him, Dave. What do you What do you well, think? No, this he is all you. This, this is your guy. You should You should take the lead. Keon here. Keon was maybe the one I was the most excited about uh, acquiring this season. And obviously, I've I've spoken before about the fact that I tend to root, especially for the guys that you know that I've had an opportunity to be around shooting the G League. And he was on the team that I shot the most. For the G League. So for the first half of the season before he was with the Blazers, I spent shooting him. And so I got a little bit attached to him from that and, and his game. And when he joined the Blazers and people were like, who is this? I was all about him. I was real 
real excited about, you know, the, the potential there. And I have watched as people have kind of gotten on board with that um, in the second half of the season. Now I know that it's, you know, obviously not been a typical season. So it's not like he's playing next to Damon Nurk. Uh, he's playing next to guys that are also, you know, a little bit younger and, and less experienced, but I think that he has a high ceiling. I think he's the kind of player who is going to really develop and be an asset, whether that's here or, or elsewhere. This is his rookie season and he is really talented. The thing about Keon is, and, and I watched this firsthand with him, but you can see it if you watch him um, as a team. You know, I, I talk all the time about how I like watching the guys joke around with each other and I like watching the relationships develop and I like, you know, kind of the the personality off the court. And Keon is a little bit different because you don't see a lot of that. He has this kind of laser focus. Um, you don't see him messing around. You don't see him joking around. You see him really zoned in and really focused. And I think that he is someone who is determined to make a, a spot for himself. I think he's someone who's going to work hard at, at what he does and, and put in the time and energy and, and do the things he needs to do. And I really think that he's going to be someone that a few years down the road, we are, we are talking about. And I love him on this team. I hope he stays. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any risk for that opinion that he's making 2.6 million next year on the second year of his rookie scale contract. The Blazers have options on years after that to keep him for, you know, three or four million dollars, but they don't have to do that. So there's absolutely no penalty other than the 1.5 million you would have saved by getting a minimum level player there or, you know, a roster cap spot hold. Uh, so look, you're, you're paying 1.5 million premium to test him out. And again, they got to fill their spots with somebody, uh, especially those lower end spots. So why not? He's got a ways to go though. I hear what you say about him, his focus and his attitude. I like it. Uh, take it at face value. And, you know, you saw this with uh, like Jared Bayless, who actually had a higher profile than Keon Johnson, but um, somewhat with Torian Green. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, young rookies of yore making it to various levels. Sometimes a player can get too intense. Sometimes like they can delve too much in the, in the, in the ditch, so to speak. You know, there are ditches in front of Johnson. I mean, he's got to, he's got to learn the game. He's got to learn the system. He's got to, probably shoot a little better you know it's not bad he's got to be able to harness his defensive skills and most of all he's got to figure out how to play shooting guard and get into the rotation on this team that already forecast to have Anthony Simons and Josh Hart back is there a lot of upside to this <laughs> I'm not sure you can roll the dice but there's not a lot of downside either so hey fine Yep, that's fair. I think, you know, it's been interesting this year as we've as we've written these and kind of gone over that. And I feel like that's been the case with a lot of these, a lot of these. You know, we've got a lot of guys that are not going to move the dial much one direction or the other. They're not necessarily hurting the team. They're not necessarily going to be like someone else could fill that role as well. But, you know, we've got all these contracts that are we have a couple contracts that are huge. And when we have a couple contracts that are huge, that means that we've got to kind of fill in where we can. And so that's what we're working with here. So, you know, there are guys that I think could go 
either way that we could keep them and it'll be great. We could move them and it'll be fine as well. So, you know, as we get into some of these guys that are, that are farther down the bench, I think we're going to see that more and more. Yeah. Honestly, that's most of the roster and what you said just there. I mean, look, the rut that we keep falling back into eh, might as well keep them, but not going to move the needle shows you, I think where the Blazers are in their developmental stage. Okay. And Part of that may be honestly deconstructing because, you know, you could say that about one or two players, but when you're saying that over and over and over again about the roster, you know, that's not a great sign. So deconstructing might be part of it. But also, there's been a lot of assumptions in these last few years that the Blazers are at or nearing an apex position. They're going to make a run in the playoffs. They're going to, you know, we're not talking about them anything like an apex-ready team. They're not even on the ramp at this point. They've got to do some shuffling before they can get up higher. And I, I know players are going to come back from injuries, and that's going to be part of it. But still, you don't have, it's like, that's the rocket. That's the potential. Okay, you've got the shell of the rocket. There's not a lot of fuel here. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, the, the parts of that rocket look really good. The thing will probably fly if you can get it into orbit, but you ain't got near enough of a full gas tank to even consider liftoff. The players that we're talking about are kind of that chemistry, that that bubbling up, that that takes the roster from good to great, that ta- that pushes you over the edge from, you know, could be to contender. They're just not there. This exercise, no matter how you feel about being in the mushy middle ground with most of these players, this exercise really does show you, I think, that the Blazers have work to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a solid point, you know, because you realize that there's so many guys that aren't going to make or break it, but that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, you, you want guys that you need in those positions that you want to keep, that you want to see, you know, on the court. And I think, well, I want to see all these guys on the court. If we get to a point where you could easily swap out this guy for 20 other players in the league, then are we really moving towards where we should be moving? I don't know. I don't know. There's potential. You know, the the one thing I will say is a large portion of the guys that were on this roster at the end of the season are young. And mm-hmm. so there's potential there. You know, if if we get if we get good development in there and, and they really, you know, and I think that this season helped a lot of them really push forward in that sense, having all the playing time that they did. So if we can really get those guys developed, then that could be fantastic because if we're getting them early when they're cheap and we're developing them into great players, then, you know, that's a good thing. It, it, it may take a few years, but that's a good thing. The problem becomes when we're not, when we're getting young guys like this and filling our roster with with young guys and then they're just not living up to their potential or they're not really doing what we need them to do. And and then, you know, and that's not always entirely the player's fault either. That then kind of also lies within the the coaching and the development. And, and what are we doing there if we've got a, a bunch of young guys and they're not developing into what we want them to? So I, I again, you know, we're kind of reset this season with with a new coach and new coaching staff with new front office people making the decisions with a lot of, you know, roster changes. There's just there's a lot of change this year. So it really could go a lot of different directions as, as we move forward. I guess we'll see. Yeah. And you've hit on it there, I think that the Blazers really need, where's the next Tim Gergerich? Where's, where's the coach? 
uh, and the assistant cores that's going to, you know, uh, develop these players, that's going to be the can't-miss guy who brings these potentials to the fore. But again, I mean, you've just, the, you just, the, the elephant with the lampshade on his head is that Damian Lillard is sitting over here as the key and, and the real core to the team, and he is not on that timeline. He's not. I mean, we're talking about they really need a developmental coach, but they also really need a coach who's going to get them to win now and push them into contention. And those are really two different things. And the Blazers are trying to surf and turf it here, uh, and they hope they have steak and lobster, but they might end up with, like, you know, I don't know, pork and porcupine or something. Chicken wings. Yeah, (laughs) chicken wings and oysters. I don't know. Maybe some people like that. Who knows? But... The way we're talking about this, again, is indicative of, wow, this team is kind of a split, you know, personality. It's kind of, oh boy, it would be nice to have some clarity as far as purpose and direction. And I think ultimately, no matter what they do, that's what they're going to have to decide and then put the pedal to the metal. And I think that's been one of the things that's frustrating to watch this is there's, it doesn't feel, and again, You and I are on the outside looking in. We don't have all the information. We don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes. But I think as a fan from the outside looking in, which is most everybody at this point, it's a little bit frustrating to watch that because it doesn't seem like, and again, there could be things that I don't know, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of direction. We've got Damian Lillard, Nurkic, you know, some of these guys that are on huge contracts, Anthony Simons is going to be a big contract. You know, we've got some of these guys that are on big contracts and they're a little bit farther along in their careers. And they're the guys that you want to win now with, you know, you, you, you want to build around them with, with talent that's going to win a championship. And then you've got the other end of that, where it's a bunch of young guys that are, you know, the, the start of maybe a rebuild or the start of, of, you know, Um, developing young talent into a cohesive team. And so when you have those two sides together, it can work, but it it doesn't always. And I feel like I would go as far as to say it doesn't often. I feel like you have to kind of pick a direction that you're going to go and go that direction. And I don't know if they've chosen one and they just haven't finished making moves or if they're just kind of wobbling back and forth and unsure of what the best way to go is here. And I think that that's frustrating as a fan to watch because either way we'll be okay. If they go with Dame and Nurk and the talent and they, you know, make a run and try to get as much talent behind them as they can and push for it. Now we're all going to cheer and root for them to do that. And we're all going to be on board. If they don't, if they, now, I, for the record, before anybody rips me apart for this, I am not suggesting we trade Damian Lillard. I am saying if they chose to, if they chose to go a different way and just blow up the team and break it apart and trade, you know, the, the guys that we have that have been our biggest contracts, our biggest assets, and just completely rebuild and start over and get some young guys and things like that, I think it would be really hard. I don't think that Port- that that fans would accept it right off the bat, but I think that ultimately people would get on board. They'd cheer for the new players, and that's the direction we'd go. It's really hard to live in the middle. It's really hard to not know, are we staying together or are we breaking up? What are we doing? Because right now we're in this weird middle ground, and I don't know what our relationship status is. <laughs> oh, God. 
Well, <laughs> well, you blew just my say. mind with that one. Wow. Just oh, say. boy. Uncomfortable. It's not clear. I need yeah. to define the relationship conversation. If you like it, you better put a ring on it or at least get it into contention for a ring. Anyway, uh, the, the thing is, remember the critique we had over the last couple of years of the Olshay era, okay? Which is the suspicion that somehow it was okay just to exist, okay? And I don't believe everybody in the organization had this, but it's like there was a thing where it's like, we're not going to make any big radical moves. We're not going to do anything that's going to upset the apple cart. We're going to keep everybody employed, except for eventually Terry Stotts, you know. But, you know, it, we're, we're going to look good and be a good mid-range team and not rock the boat, which I think makes some business sense and it makes some weird NBA cheating the system sense because not everybody can win. But it's a little bit infuriating as a fan where you're going like, okay, if that's really the goal, then what are we doing here? You're saying this is good enough. It's like saying, you know what, we could learn how to cook, but you know these Kentucky Fried Chicken mashed potatoes are good enough for you. Here you go. Just eat them. And it's like, okay, I like those mashed potatoes, but dang, if we could get something better, or at least could we have something else on the menu sometimes? Anyway, the Blazers need to show that that's not the case to me, one way or another, and in my mind, I should say. Okay, like you say, fish or fowl or whatever it is, pick a direction, show us that something is going on besides just a different version of, well, we're keeping Dame and CJ together for another season, except it's not Dame and CJ, it's just other stuff. It's a weird place. And I think that I think that once we get direction and we know kind of what way we're going, I mean, we kind of saw that happen this season. People were rest Blazers fans were restless at the beginning of the season. It was this kind of, well, are we or aren't we? You know, what's gonna happen? We're off to a rough start, but we're still but once things changed and Dame was out for the season and guys started getting sat and we started having younger guys come in and we realized, okay. This is the direction. It's not the direction we wanted. We wanted a ring, but we're breaking up instead. But here we are. So let's get on board with it. We're we're on board with it now. And it may not be ideal. It may not be the situation we wanted, but this is where we're going. And I feel like that needs to happen again. We need to know which way are we going. Are we going to go for it? Or are we going to rebuild and retool and try to adjust? Like, what are we going to do here? It's a it's an interesting point, And then we should move on, uh, probably. But listen, uh, what you just said, in a relationship or on a basketball team, there's a difference between trying to do something right, even if you kind of don't succeed at it, and not wanting to do anything wrong. And it feels sometimes like the Blazers organization is misreading if nothing else, the relationship with the fan base and maybe, maybe, maybe with the players a little bit like, okay, we don't want to do anything that's going to upset anybody. We don't want to do anything that's going to upset the apple cart or change the course of the team for the negative because people will be really mad about that. So we can't move X, Y, or Z because it entails some kind of risk. Okay. Well, dudes and dudettes, if you never do anything wrong, you also probably can't do anything right. Uh, like, uh, I'm not going to risk saying I love you to my partner because it might scare them away. Well, at some point, they're going to leave because you never said it, right? So if it's appropriate, take your shot 
and go ahead and say it and suffer the consequences, try to do something. Because a relationship in which you are concerned eternally about never doing anything wrong is neither a healthy relationship nor ultimately a productive one. And Portland, yeah, their management, front office, ownership, I don't know. I'm not entirely convinced that they're engrossed or aware or whatever enough to be able to take the risk to do something right. And they're just trying to not be wrong. Not going to work. This kind of brings us to, to our next thing, uh, which is something you put on the list for tonight. And you might have to fill me in here on why it's on the list. And I'm a little bit afraid of why it's on the list. But should LaMarcus Aldridge return to Portland? Why are we here again? Oh, that's Adrian. Uh, Adrian Bernicic uh, wrote that as a Saturday column and said, if you're going to get a min-level player and you need a power forward, bring LaMarcus home. Uh, let him have one more year or whatever, minimum contract. I mean, would you okay. do it now? I mean, we just do it briefly. We don't have to spend all night on it, but would you, would the, would you do that now? I don't know. The, the, this kind of stuff really plays with my heartstrings because obviously, like, anytime you have a guy like LaMarcus that, you know, what a storyline. Like, not only just the fact that he used to play in Portland, but the fact that, like, Dame really wanted to play with him and then that didn't really happen. And then after they went their separate ways, there was some kind of reconnecting and some reaching out and some, you know, fence mending. Fence mending? Is that a See? It is. Fence mending. Yes. Go out and mend anyway. the fences. Yeah. Men yeah. Some relationship building. I don't know. Whatever. And and so to have LaMarcus come back and finish his career in Portland, I mean, really, you don't get a much better story than that. I, I My gut reaction when I saw this on the list was, heck no. We do not do this. We've been over this. We're not doing this. But, you know, after all these keeper yeets and all these conversations about, oh, well, he's not really going to, it's, 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 he's fine, it's fine. And all the people I've said, yeah, we should keep him. Uh, what's, what's one more, LaMarcus? I mean, what's, what's one more? Like, just add him to the roster. He'll be fine. It won't hurt. He's a good player, you know? I don't know. I, I guess I would probably say, yeah, go ahead and do it. I, I don't know that it'll move the needle one way or another, but I'm not. I'm sure that we have someone we could move out of that spot and move him in and not notice things go badly. I guess. Uh, man, what not a way Trent to talk. and Watford though. <laughs> keep, keep no, Trentford no, Watford. I wouldn't. Right. No, I wouldn't trade Trent and Watford. Like you said, it'd be fine with me. I think he's going elsewhere. The more interesting thing that actually just happened that we forgot to talk about is that there is serious rumor of unrest in Utah. That Rudy, uh -huh. that Rudy Gobert is going to say, uh, you better make your keeper yeet with me uh, and Donovan Mitchell and uh, pick you, one. You know, you know what I think they should do? I think they should package the two of them together and say, you guys are going to play together till you get along. Did you ever I, when my kids when my kids fight, I have what I call a get along shirt and it's basically a, an adult large T-shirt and I put both children in the T-shirt. And they have to sit in the T-shirt until they're willing to get along again. Oh, Lord, with my kids, that would be like putting two cats in the sack. That well, would, your kids that are would, teenagers. That would not mine, yeah. Are, yeah. mine are pretty little. Yes. Um, I think LaMarcus, not LaMarcus, we were just Rudy talking Gobert. Yeah. I think Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell might, might need a get-along shirt. Like we, we, need to, we need to learn to get along, guys. Or if not, and that's obviously not realistic and 
not a legit suggestion. It just always makes me laugh to think about that with the two of them. I've been thinking about that since they were fighting. I think they just need to move on. I think anytime you have conflict like this, when it gets to the point where it's becoming petty and the people can't get along on the court, I don't care what your beef is off the court. I don't care if you don't like each other. I, I don't care. But if you cannot play as teammates and get along on the court, then th that's a problem. And, and frankly, it's a problem that I think should be solved. I, I think that's ridiculous when you're being paid millions of dollars to, to do a job and to get like you. I don't care how you respond. You don't ever have to sit together on the bus or have lunch together if you don't want to. You could sit on opposite sides of the chartered flight. I don't care. But when we get on that court, you will play together and you will be a team. And if you can't do that, like, yeah, that's a problem. Um, I really like Rudy Gobert. I would love to see him on the Blazers. I do. I don't think we have the the ability to get him. To be honest, I'm not sure how we would go about that without getting rid of other guys that we would need alongside him. So I don't think it's realistic, and that's the frustration that we're in right now. But uh, I, I like Rudy Gobert. Well, first of all, that the whole approach is so momish of you. I mean, you could feel the mom coming out. And by the way, also trumping the Dia part that says, you know, players get to be players and have their feelings, except if you're fighting, then you two have to get along. <laughs> no, uh, you're making no, millions, I wait, you're wait, making wait. millions of dollars. Wait, and yeah, no, no, I'm I, no, hold on. I, I'm going to clarify this because you may not be the only one who got that. Mm -hmm. I stand by that. You do get to, but. There's a difference in what goes on off the court as a human being and even on the court as a human being. But you as two players, this doesn't have to do with fans. This doesn't have to do with your treatment. This doesn't have to do with how any of that. It doesn't have to do with, I guess we could argue it could have to do with your mental health. But then, but if then that's, if it's at that point, mm -hmm. then something needs to be done. But if the two of you are just bickering, get over it and do your job. And, and that's not because you're paid money. That's because you're adults. Like as adults, Get along and do your job. But I also I also will leave room for the fact that sometimes those things go to another level and obviously have to be dealt with on a different level. But come on. Dude, thanks for mom-splaining that. I love it. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 will, I will say this in support, that uh, Rudy Gobert would actually fit a Damian Lillard system far better oh, yeah. than a Donovan Mitchell system. He's always been, I mean, they've, it's not, they've made it work. They've been good. I mean, they had like the best record in the league, uh, you know, for a while. It's fine. But you, you know that half-court game that the Blazers played with Terry Stotts, basically? And, uh, you know, you needed the center to ice down into the paint and get rebounds and block shots and make up for guard mistakes. Rudy Gobert would have been the guy for that. Maybe a little late. Water under the bridge now, too late. I, and I'm not saying that's the right get for Portland. I'm just saying that if you're comparing, playing with Damian Lillard would be a lot more fun and a better fit for Gobert than playing with Mitchell did was. I think he'd be great. I would love, I'd love to see Rudy Gobert and Damian Lillard together would be chef's kiss. Just nice. so much fun. De I would love DeAndre that. Ayton. I mean, I would take him, but I don't think Phoenix is going to let oh, go of him. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, a he's a restricted percent. free agent. You know, they didn't, they, they didn't extend him. He, they get see, to match offers, but. Again, we get into the problem of how, how do we get him? What do we, what do we have to offer at this point? You would, what you would have to do. I mean, it couldn't be a trade. You'd have to make him an offer that Phoenix wouldn't match, which I don't think exists. But if you were, you'd have to basically dump everybody. I mean, you'd have to, Nurkic wouldn't be enough. Probably Nurkic, Hart. I mean, Lillard would do it, 
but then you know but you, then you don't have him then you don't have dame <laughs> but then it would be nurkic hart and probably don't resign simons i mean that might do it it could be even Nur- well you know what it could be maybe nurkic and hart if you cleared enough space with them, it's possible you could make a, a huge offer. But yeah, I mean, it's not practical, but that it's fun to dream. Nobody, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast or not, but my full name is Deandra. That's my first name. Mm-hmm. And it's a unique enough name. It's not like it was Sarah or Rachel where there were four others in my class or I heard the name regularly. I never heard my name growing up. And so when I hear my name, I think people are calling me. I think they're talking to me because that's the only time I ever heard my name. So anytime I watch a game and he's playing, DeAndre is close enough to my name that I'm constantly like whipping my head around looking for who's it's, it's a weird, weird thing. And for all of you who have names that are common, this is a normal feeling for you. But for me, it is very weird, but I also kind of love it. And it makes me like him a little bit more for some weird reason. So (laughs) I also have a full name. It's David awesomeness. I didn't say right. I blew the joke. David, you don't, you don't, you don't hear that one often. No, I'm no. sure. Yeah, it's a. It's My a parents rap. had a high opinion of me back in the day. <laughs> Not so much anymore. So, first round is over. We are into the second round now. I still the guy the the teams that I have going to the finals are still in it. My prediction was the. Warriors and the Heat. And so we now currently have the Suns and the Mavericks playing. I personally think the Suns will come out of that. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna pull it together. And then we have Golden State and Memphis, the the Warriors and the And what a you. series that is. I mean, did you see what John Murray did might, tonight? That might be speak? the most that might be the most fun series we see in the entire playoffs to be honest john morant is just taking a battering ram to these playoffs he's going hard at it and making his name i I, he is he is going to be the player on everybody's lips when this playoffs is done and it, it even if the grizzlies don't advance he has he has arrived he's fantastic i'm a big fan of his it's hard to remember how young he is when you watch him play um, but, but he's, he's, he's great. Mm-hmm. I still think the Warriors are going to pull that one out. I think they're going to come out and win. So I think we'll have in the Western conference finals, I think we'll have Suns warriors. And then in the East, we've got the heat and the 76ers. I still hold to the fact that I think the heat are going to come out of this one and the bucks and the Celtics, which have been a little bit of a surprise. I thought the bucks would be a sure thing, uh, but the Celtics are giving them a little bit of a run for their money. I still think the bucks are going to come out of it. And I think we're going to have bucks and heat. In, in the Eastern Conference. What do you I, think, I think Dave? popular opinion is that the Celtics will come out of that because of how well they've been playing, but I'm with you. I thought Milwaukee I thought Milwaukee would come out of the East. I was boring. I picked uh, Phoenix-Milwaukee, although Phoenix-Boston uh, wouldn't be surprising, and, of course, Golden State wouldn't be surprising. I think any combination, really, thereof will be a fine, fine matchup. I, ca- I can't tell you how in love I am with these playoffs, even though the Blazers were not in them. I think yeah, just about every team was quality. I mean, look at the teams that lost. Denver, oh, all you yeah. got's the MVP or presumptive MVP or last year's MVP anyway. I mean, Utah, I mean, fine team. I mean, just, just really yep. good team. And they're out. They couldn't quite make it. I mean, there are very few... The right teams made it. Let's put it that way. And yeah. there's something satisfying about that. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. Did, I, I don't think anything's really surprised me 
except for Joel Embiid, of course, going down, that was that's heartrending for Philly, of course. Yeah. But I mean, it, again, James Harden's getting exposed uh, a little bit. Uh, the Nets, yeah, that's surprising. I guess how easily they went down. That's that's the surprising thing is that they didn't even win once. That was surprising. Mm-hmm. But also, look, we're it's we're slow to recognize changing of the guard in the league, right? But one of the ways that you can stick your finger up, you know, in the wind and see which way it's blowing. Who are you talking about? I mean, sure, you're talking about Phoenix and Chris Paul and Golden State, but who have you been talking about? It's Embiid, it's Jokic, uh, it's John Morant, right? And who are you not talking about as much? Other than obligatory because they're Mount Rushmore people and because the Lakers and Nets gather all the headlines, but who really are you? Who are you really not talking about much how they're playing organically because they're players? LeBron James, uh, Kevin Durant. Again, they're getting most of the pub. They're getting way more publicity than anybody else, but not because they're excelling. It's If anything, their story is more mixed, and you're talking about the Lakers and Nets in terms of, wow, these teams are falling apart despite having Kevin and, and LeBron. And that's one of the signs, I think, that the winds are changing, that the decades old now, you know, decade and a half old regime is starting to pass. And you're going to start to hang on new names. And that's not going to change back. So I'm not saying that Durant or LeBron will never win another ring. I'm just saying that the days where they are presumptive rulers of all they survey are over. And that makes it kind of fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the, to the finals, I think. The conference finals and then the the finals, I think, are all going to be good. But I I I still stand by Golden State and and Miami Heat in in the playoffs. I think that's what or in the finals. I think that's what we're going to see. I hope that's what we see. I think that'd be fun. Yep. Now I got to confess, I haven't eaten dinner. My tummy's rumbling. So do we have any last uh, things? Yeah, I think the last thing that is worth maybe mentioning here is, uh, you know, back to cell phone gate. 2020, uh, where Nurkic threw the fan's cell phone. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. That fan has now come forward with a lawsuit. He is suing Nurkic, Chris Haynes, and the Portland Trailblazers, essentially for slander and basically saying that, you know, they had to up security at the school that he works at and all these things. And it, it's actually a little bit infuriating to read through. Um you know, here's the thing. You watch something like that happen and you watch the fans' reaction to it and and in the incident. And he was not upset. He was clearly thrilled with the reaction he got. And you watch, you know, the the posts that pop up from the people that were with him encouraging it and saying that's how you do it and whatnot. And then you know, you see things coming out. Chris Haynes tweeted what was allegedly said. And now the guy's mad. And and my feeling is y- you can't be, you can't get pissed because you don't like the reaction you get for something. Like you were perfectly fine with what happened when it happened. And you don't like how people reacted to it. And it just, it seems like a lot to me. Uh, I would be surprised if, if that's a legit case based off of, you know, the things that were coming out on social media and all that and how easy I would think it would be to verify what was actually said but I don't know we'll see it's unfortunate I think it's I think it's a low blow when you're taunting a a player on any level to then turn around and and sue but people will do 
silly things. Sure, but I mean, the asterisk here is it's not just whether a case can be proven. It's whether the potential for suing is there that people pay attention to. And you know what? You open yourself up to this uncertainty in cases like this, because actually I think it's going to be treacherously difficult to verify what or what not that fan said, right? That's going to be really hard. You got to get the people who are next to him. They've got to tell the truth. You know, there are a hundred things, right? But you can absolutely verify what was said about that fan because it's on social media, right? It yeah, literally but it's was also said. said. It also said allegedly. Okay. So like. Well, no, we say allegedly. But no, the tweet that Chris Haynes tweeted. Okay. Yes, he said, said allegedly. He's, he's a media person, but you right. know what? I don't remember a lot but of he's allegedly. Being sued. Okay. He's only one of the three parties, and I'm not concerned about Chris Haynes. I think he's fine. But Yusuf Nurkic and the Portland Trailblazers, whatever they say out there, they are saying in absolutely incontrovertible, verifiable form. All you have to do is take a screenshot of what was said. And you know what? Did the Blazers, did the did the Trailblazers make a statement about it? Yeah, again, I'm kind of fishing. I'd have to go back and look on it. But they did, I don't it think almost, they did. It almost doesn't matter for the point that I'm making, okay? When you act in this way and when you respond in this way, you leave yourself open to this potential. And Wait, which one? I don't understand what you're saying. When, okay. Who responds what way? The Trailblazers and or Nurkic and or whomever reacted to that fan. Okay? Right. Nurkic reacted by throwing a phone, which was one level. But then we have some doubling down of people saying, well, the fan was saying X, Y, and Z about Nurkic's family, Nurkic's grandparent, you know, grandma who passed away or whatever. I get that on a human level, but you got to understand when you say that in public and you have a public voice and you cannot have that independently verified that he said that or didn't, which I'm arguing is going to be somewhat difficult. The fact that you accused him of that is absolutely verifiable. It's in black and white. It's on social media. It's there. Any lawyer, any attorney can see it. What the fan actually said is not. It's much more of a gray area. A he said, she said. If you or if that fan suffers negative consequences for what you said about them and you cannot prove that what you said is accurate, I'm not saying that the lawsuit has merit. I'm not saying that I would rule on it one way or another. I'm just saying you leave yourself open to the potential of this happening. And when you've got resources, when you've got power, and when you've got a public voice that is, in essence, a bully pulpit, you have to be pretty darn careful about what you say about people. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that. But what I am saying is, you know, Nurk didn't say anything publicly. I'm 90% sure that the team didn't either. So it, it's, it's interesting. I, and I could be wrong about that. This is why you walk away, dear. This is why you've got to walk away. Again, it's not what happened. It's not what didn't happen. It's the potential of what people can say happened. Man, it's just, it's, 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 it makes me so angry that people will do stuff like this. Like, you, I, you're really going to tell me that this one thing ruined your life. 
this I, I don't know. It oh, feels to me like no, I don't know. There, there we're going to split because the potential of doxing is absolutely real. And I can tell you, now I'm not saying that this happened. I'm not trying to emphasize with that fan either. I think it's probably BS what he's doing, right? I know I that, the, but, but, we're, but we're talking about this situation. I know in general, yeah, things like that happen. I've had things like that happen to me. I know it's a very real thing. Well, it, ha- in- it happens when players do it. Players, you got to walk away. I mean, if someone's physically assaulting you or something, that's one thing, okay? But you know what? We just walked out of a situation where I very logically explained a point that Charles Barkley made about whether it might not be in the realm of possibility that the Blazers would be better off trading Damian Lillard. You remember the backlash I got for that without Yusuf Nurkic chiming in, and he did, okay? And whenever that happens, you worry about how many players or how many people on that account are listening. And frankly, I don't live in the area, so I don't have to worry about it too much, probably. But you do worry that whatever thousands of people across the globe are listening to this guy yak off his opinion about you, and people can respond to that in ways that you don't know that are out of bounds that people can find out where you are, that people can find out what you do, that people can show up in ways you didn't expect it. Not okay. Walk away. And the more power you have, the more responsibility you have to use that power well. Now, this fan is a jerk. This fan's lawsuit is probably stupid. I agree with that. But that still does not mean that you take a bead on someone who, with words, offended you and then sick an entire public on them. It doesn't mean that you take a cell phone and you toss it. Not okay. You walk away and you find a community or a space where you don't have to experience those words or you get someone whose job it is to eject that fan to take care of it or you make your opinion known via email if you're talking about media or whatever and i think this to me is really clear and we live in a world where it's increasing increasingly unsafe to state your opinion it's increasingly unsafe not even state your opinion to talk about subjects without you know without worrying that somebody's going to pop off in the wrong direction Sports figures, athletes, celebrities should not be contributing to that. But that said, I agree with you 100%. This fan's a jerk and his lawsuit's stupid. I think that's about it. I think that's about all we've got. That's all we got energy for. I got to gotta eat something. Have you had dinner yet? <laughs> uh, I'm about to go to bed. Oh, you're going to go sleep. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm wiped. I'm wiped. I got to eat before bed. So anyway. All right. Well, for Dia Miller, who will soon be snoozing, and for me, who will soon be eating something unhealthy because it's like, you know, pushing 11 o'clock at night and I'm starving, uh, we will see you again next week and uh, one week closer to the lottery, and we hope your week turns out wonderful. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave sends her an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom! Shaka-laka! 
crowd is on his feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the Rookie of the Year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent! Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.